0: Palm Sunday. It's Holy Week. It's Easter Week, so we're not messing around today. We're going to have a good day of church. Grab a seat. I love that song. Something has to break. I remember the, the first time I heard it, I was, I was sitting in a coffee shop with Corey, and he goes, hey, man, check out this, this new song we're, we're working on. I, I want to hear your thoughts. And I listened to it, and I said, Corey, that that song's Special. He was like, yeah, I know, right. It's, it's like special. And I said, Corey, that, that song's powerful. He's like, I know it's, it's powerful. And then I said, hey, Corey, um, hey, what does it mean? <laughs> you know, like, what's the something and why does it have to break? Like, it's one of those songs that like we understand at a, at a heart level before we understand at, at a head level. And so Corey and I talked about it and then Doug and I talked about it. And then Ethan and I talked about it. And then Emily and I talked about it. And I got to the end of all those conversations and I thought, oh, that's like, that's good. Like that's so good that, that we should devote an entire weekend to talking about it as a church because if this is gonna be a, an anthem for us a, as a church and let's talk about what we mean when we say something has to break. So that's my goal for today. Because here's the thing, for the last six weeks, we've been talking about our horizontal relationships with each other. Right? But the foundation of this whole thing is our vertical relationship with God. And as we say every week, that vertical relationship is a bunch of imperfect people like me and you pursuing a perfect God. And by the way, if you are new around here, that's what we believe here. And as long as you aren't perfect, you're gonna fit right in at, at Red Rocks. But we're imperfect people pursuing a perfect God, living, living on a fallen world which means that along the way, like we're just all going to pick up some baggage. There's going to be some things that try to come in between us and God. We all know what we're talking about, right? It's like the sin and, and the shame and the pain. For some of us, it's, it's the baggage or, or the bitterness, or for some, it's just the, the busyness like we could pass the mic uh, around all day and share stories about the different things that try to come between us and God. And it's like, before we know it, we start feeling and saying things like, well, God just feels really distant right now. God just feels really far away right now. Am I the only one who's ever experienced that, right? Well, every world religion is trying to wrestle with this question, like trying to come up with a solution to this problem uh, of feeling like all this stuff gets in the way of us and God. And what religion says is, hey, here are all the things you need to do. Here are all the things you need to to do in order to clear out some of that stuff so that you and God can be cool. So, So do all of these things, don't do all of those things, and then you'll reach enlightenment or you'll go to the good place instead of the bad or whatever it is, that's what religion is, do gospel message, the Easter story, which we're celebrating this week, and quite frankly, we celebrate every week, is God looked down from heaven and said, I love them so much. I am so tired of having these things stand in between me and them. I'm going to them, and when I go down there, I'm going to break off. I'm going to break off anything that could stand in between us and them. Like, I love them so much that I'm going to go break it off myself. Because when life enters the room, death has to leave. When light enters the room, darkness has to go. When shame enters the room, or I'm sorry, when grace enters the room, shame has to leave. When God shows up, something has to break. We worship a God, we serve a God, a creator God who goes, I love them so much that I'm gonna go down there and break off everything that I need to break off because... I just want to be with my children. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we worship. That's the God that we sing to. And so I can say with complete confidence this morning that that is what is going to happen in your life. No matter how you showed up in this place today, hey, even if you had the worst night of your life last night, I am believing right now in the name of Jesus that some things are going to break. And I can say that with confidence. You can say that with confidence because it has nothing to do with me. For me like stringing together the right words in the right order, it has everything to do with God showing up and God just doing what God does. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does all throughout the gospel. When he shows up, things just break. So whoever you are, wherever you find yourself in this room today, man, let's raise our expectation for what God is about to do. In this place, some things are going to break. In fact, I title my message, Something Has to Break. Lord, we, we love you. Lord, we pray that as we dive into this story, we read from your word that you would speak to us. Lord, would you break off anything coming between us and you. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hey, today we're gonna look at a story in John chapter 11. And this is a story about Three people who are having the worst week of their life. Three people who need something to break. And then Jesus walks into the room and nothing is ever the same. It's a story about a man named Lazarus who has just passed away. And his sisters, his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And quite frankly, it's a story about Jesus and Jesus doing what, what Jesus does best. So if you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 11. We're going to pick up the story in verse 17. And by the way, we're sharing this story this morning because um, at this point in Jesus's ministry, Jesus is already on really thin ice with all the religious leaders in Jerusalem. They're like, hey, we got to put an end to this Jesus guy. And so, uh, So the story is gonna take place as you're gonna see right down the street from Jerusalem and all of Jesus' disciples are are like, hey, Jesus, we shouldn't go there. If we go there, you might get killed. And Jesus is always way more concerned with other people's well-being than his own. And so he's like, yeah, no, we're we're gonna go and see Lazarus. And so we'll pick up the story in, in verse 17. It says this, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed That's a lot of information in in four verses. We're in Bethany, two miles away from Jerusalem, and we get introduced to Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus loves Lazarus, he loves Mary, he loves Martha. But Mary and Martha are very different people. Anybody have a sibling who who you love but is just completely different than you? I can't relate to that because Doug's just always trying to be just like me, you know, so I don't know. but, but Martha and Mary are completely different. Like, like Mary, as you just saw, stayed home. She's going through this terrible moment, and she's like, I just, I'm gonna lock myself in my room. I just need to like process this stuff internally. Leave me alone. Let me be with my feelings. Martha, on the other hand, is the type A challenger, eight on the Enneagram. You know, like, oh, Jesus is coming to town Yeah, I've got some words for Jesus. So Martha doesn't even let Jesus get to the home. She goes out and meets him halfway. Like, you know those conversations where you should like wait to be face-to-face to to start it? I feel like in in this moment, she's like, I'm not even gonna wait till we're face-to-face. I'm gonna start yelling as soon as I see the guy, right? So verse 21, we'll pick it up here. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let's pause for a second. Did you know you're allowed to get angry with God? Like maybe you've never been given that permission, especially in church. Like we're great at this in church, right? All the frustrations on the drive over, and then you walk in and it's like, oh, God's good. You're allowed to actually, like God's your loving father who wants to talk to you about how you're feeling. And, and um, he can take it, he's God. He can handle a little bit of anger, I promise. He's going to be just fine. And, and so I love that Martha just comes out swinging. She, she comes out and she's, she's got something to say, she's angry. Some of you, what needs to break in your life right now is going to break because you actually find the boldness to, to let God know that you're frustrated. You let God know that you don't like how things are going. Let's just take the last 12 months, for example. Uh, Has anybody had everything go their way for the last 12 months? Anybody? We've all had so many things that frustrate us, right? It's been a very difficult year. Did you know that you have a loving father who wants to talk to you about those things? I meet with people all the time and ask questions and I can see them start to get worked up but then there's like this switch. I don't. Maybe it's because I'm a pastor. There's like this switch where they, they start to get worked up, and then they stop and they go. But God's good. God's got you. Romans eight twenty eight, brother. He's working all things together for, for those for, for the good of those who love Him, right? And I'm always like, hey, no, no, no. Before you did that thing, what were what was that emotion? What was that stuff? up here because I think if we just process it, I think if we just talk to God uh, about it, we might just find that some light may invade a dark place and some things might start to break in our lives. Church, you have permission to be angry with God and talk to him uh, about it because uh, he can handle it. In fact, I would say that anger is, is one of the most purest forms of worship. Like, like when you walk in here angry, you, you're, going, you're, you're going, hey God, you're still in charge You're still God. I'm just letting you know I'm not happy with what's going on. There's something beautiful about that. That's what Mary's, Martha's doing. She didn't have to run to Jesus. She's angry, but she's going, but I I know you're still God. (laughs) You know? Like I'll give you that. I'm just letting you know I'm a little angry. Let's watch how Jesus responds. This is so, so beautiful. Martha says, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha replied, I know my brother will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And then get this, Jesus says to her, I am. If you write in your Bible, underline those two words. In John 11:25. 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Love this passage. I love this conversation. For years, I've just kind of skipped right over it. But for the last month, I've been been meditating on it, and um, it's been speaking to me. I feel like God has, has been speaking to me because I really, I feel like Martha really is livid. And I know I'm I'm speculating a, a little bit, right? But that's what the Bible invites us to do. And I can ask Martha one day if I if I got it correct. I feel like she is angry, but Jesus per usual, is much more interested in the backstory than the behavior. So, so Jesus doesn't go, "What? how dare you speak to me that way? I think what Jesus is thinking is, hey, what's underneath the anger? What's going on in Martha's life that's making her be so angry? Well, when we study Martha's life, we realize that she's the one who's always trying to keep everything together. Like she's the one that's always trying to keep her household in line and making sure that everybody is doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're doing it. And we love her for it. And if that's your personality, we love you for it. You keep the rest of us safe. But if we dig a little bit deeper there, I think what might be going on in Martha's life is, hey, she's trying to keep everything together because at some level she wants to be able to control everything that's happening. Well, what happens when something tragic happens? So you see, Martha is angry at Jesus, but I think Jesus knows deep down she's actually angry at herself. At some level, Martha is thinking, I tried. I'm supposed to be the one that's holding everything together. How could I let this happen to Lazarus? And Jesus, in so much love, but with so much truth, looks at Martha and says, Martha, this isn't about what you couldn't do, this is about who I am. Martha, what what you can't do, I am, so where you fall short, I come through. Martha, sometimes bad things just happen. Sometimes like there's things that happen that we can't control, and it's not because you didn't pray enough or give enough or clean enough. Martha, it's just there's things that happen in this world that are difficult to understand, but Martha, take heart because I am. And if I may, church, I just feel like I need to give some of us permission to take the weight of the world off of our shoulders this morning. I feel like I need to give us permission to let go of control this morning. I I feel like the thing that needs to break for for some of us is our obsessive need to, to, to keep the world together because you just, you can't do it. You can't do it. This is my story. Ethan will tell you. We we say it all the time. But where when we first started following Jesus, we uh, did a lot of mission work and we're traveling all over the place. And um, I loved it. I came alive. I loved helping people. But it felt like every time I helped one person, there was like five more that needed help that I couldn't get to. You know, and it would like it would drive me nuts. And I I would feel so much shame. I'd feel so much anger at myself and then I'd run myself to the place of exhaustion because I was trying to fix the entire world. Like at some level, uh, helping people had shifted to saving people in my soul, but there's only one hero in the story and his name's not Ryan, his name's Jesus. We can help, we can show up, Jesus is the one who saves though. And so we had gotten to, to Fiji and I was, I was laying on a pew in this church in Fiji and I was hyperventilating, just trying to breathe. I felt this, it was like a panic attack was coming on because there was, there was so much weight and I was trying to help. Ian Doug just sat next to me and just tried to comfort me. And I, I, all I could do was, and I remember I, I picked up a message version of the Bible uh, paraphrase of the Bible story form, and I went back and I just started reading it again with new eyes, looking at the story, and I just saw imperfect person after imperfect person falling short of God's glory, and then Jesus coming in and saving the day. And it's like I had to just let go of my need to save everybody, save anybody, and I had to go, Jesus, I'm, I'm doing that thing where I'm trying to be you again, huh? And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, bud, but I still love you. Right, So I feel like Jesus has that moment with Martha where he goes, Martha, rest. Martha, let that control break off of you. I am the resurrection and the life. But there's two sisters. That's Jesus' interaction with Martha. What about Mary? Mary is back home. Remember, she's locked herself in her room. She's going, I I don't want any part of this. I need to, to cope how I need to cope. So Jesus goes to Martha and says, hey, can you go get Mary? Tell her I'm, I, I want to see her. So Martha goes back. She's like, Mary, would you come? And she's like, no, I don't know. She's like, no, Jesus is asking for you. Like, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. Let that sink in for a second. Even in a room like this, sometimes it's hard. It feels like, oh, Raj right, just talking to like them. No, this is for you. Jesus is asking for you. So Mary walks out to see Jesus, and let's pick up the story. It says this. We'll jump down to verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact statement. Same exact situation. Two fundamentally, fundamentally different heart postures. Martha comes out swinging, angry. Lord, how dare you? Mary is devastated. I love what Jesus does next. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit troubled. With Martha, he had a speech. With Mary, he's speechless. With Martha, he confronts a truth teller with truth. With Mary, he allows himself to be deeply moved by the pain that she's feeling. Where have they laid him? He asked. Come and see, they said. And then the shortest, but perhaps one of the most profound verses in all of the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. It's incredible. Think about that. Knowing full well the end of the story, knowing full well where he's taking this thing, Jesus allows himself to enter into the pain of humanity. Why? Because that's what Mary needed him to do. The truth teller needed some truth. Mary needed him to cry. Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life, and yet I will sit here and cry with you. It's utterly compelling. It's B.J.'s favorite verse in the entire Bible. Look at his driver's uh, license plate when, when you walk out. He literally named his license plate after this verse, which is amazing. Tim Keller pointed out that Jesus is showing in one story both his divinity and his humanity. Fully God and yet fully human at the same exact time. With Martha, it's I am the resurrection and the life. Fully God. With Mary, I'll allow myself to be broken by this and cry with you. See, because tears without truth is just kind of chaos. We need a firm foundation to stand on. But truth without tears falls short too, doesn't it? It just feels cold. It feels like I don't know, like like it's just not quite there. But when you combine truth and tears together, man, it's like something starts to break in our lives. And I, I love Watching this, I think just to push all of us a little bit. I think some of us are really, really comfortable with Jesus crying, like we're comfortable with the humanity of Jesus and Him sitting with sinners and eating right meals with them, like that. That fits really well for us. But then when we start talking about the divinity of Jesus and Jesus making these truth statements, like "I am," we go, "Ah, oh, I don't know if I like that. Like, I don't know if I want to let Him have that say in our lives." Like Mark Sayers says, we love the kingdom, but we want the kingdom without the king. But then others of us are really comfortable with the divinity of Jesus. We're like, the, go get him, Jesus. Whatever you say, I'm in, I worship you. You have the say in our lives. But then we like, don't know what to do with a God who would allow himself to be broken and sit and cry. When I uh, first started doing funerals, um, like, maybe eight years ago. I remember in, in seminary, they taught me, uh, hey, when, when you do a funeral for a, a family, they need truth. They're having a terrible week. They, they need to, like, remind them of the end of the story. Remind them that one day every tear will be wiped away and say verses like, oh, death, where is your sting? But then I walked into my first meeting with a family going through the worst week of their life, and I Realize real quick that what they needed were tears. What they needed was was space to to feel. Oh, death, where is your sting? They're like it's right there in the in the casket, right next to us, right. So I love that Jesus is bold enough to to be God and to heal, and yet He's loving enough to come and sit with us and cry. I think it's just utterly compelling, and um, I think that this will have the power, when we when we meditate on who Jesus is, I think it has the power to break some things in our life this week. So let's talk about you. Tears first. John eleven thirty five. 35. Because full disclosure, the way that God wired me, uh, the truth thing comes a lot more naturally to me. Like, I can take the emotions out of things, and, and I love just talking uh, about truth, and that's who God created me to be, and it's great. But as a follower of Jesus, I don't get to ignore John eleven thirty five. 35. I don't get to ignore the other side of the equation. And so I wonder if for you this Easter week, what you need to do is allow yourself to feel the sadness of the story. I'll say it like this, what if your job this week is to sit in Saturday? We uh, always talk about Friday where Jesus went to the cross and then we celebrate Sunday where Jesus is back. Do you ever think about the fact that there's a Saturday in there? Like I'll throw myself under the bus. We're throwing a Friday service and a Sunday service. We're not doing a Saturday service. We don't talk about it very often. But did did you know that like Jesus could have defeated sin and death in two days if he wanted to? It's not like the father was like, uh, so hey uh, Jesus, I'm thinking. Thanks so much for defeating sin and death. Do you think you could uh, get this done by by Saturday? And Jesus is like, ah, it's a little steep, Father. But I'm thinking like maybe third day, third day I can be back. And the father was like, third day. That's got a good ring to it. That's like a '90s Christian rock band in the future, <laughs> maybe. You know, like yeah, you're right, Jesus. Let's do third day. No, that's not for them. That's for us. There's a third day in there. There's a Saturday in there because I think Jesus is trying to teach us something. Jesus sat down and wept with the family before he brings Lazarus back to the dead to teach us something, that emotions are real. And sometimes I feel like in the church, we're afraid of them. And I just feel like Jesus is giving us an invitation to allow ourselves to feel the sadness. To, to enter into the story, so what would it look like for you this week, Christian, to, to not rush too quickly to Sunday, but to sit in Saturday. Allow yourself to feel the, the weight and just watch as something starts to break in your life. But now the truth side of it, I think that there are others of us who have been sitting in the Saturday for too long. Let's be real, sometimes we, we try to avoid it, but then other times it gets a little comfortable, doesn't it? We, we almost get comfortable sitting in the Saturday, and let's not forget that, yes, Jesus sat down and wept, but then he got up and called Lazarus out of the grave and said, hey, it's time to live again, Lazarus. In fact, let's read it together. Let's keep going. It says this, this is John eleven thirty eight. 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. then jump down to verse 42, says this. 43, I'm sorry. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out because when the resurrection and the life walks into the room, death has to leave. So Lazarus comes out, but watch this. His hands and his feet, they're, they're wrapped up. He's got grave clothes on, they're wrapped up. And a cloth around his face. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Those grave clothes were working when Lazarus was dead, now that he is back to new life, he doesn't need those grave clothes anymore. Those grave clothes are just going to hold him back. He doesn't need to walk around like this the rest of his life. It's time to break those grave clothes off of Lazarus because he's not dead anymore. Now he is alive. And church, if I may, I just feel sometimes in my own life and in our lives, like we know that we've been given new life in Christ, but we're still walking around with some grave clothes on. Like we know that we are called a new creation and yet we still let shame and sin bind us up a little bit. Like we know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and yet we still walk around wondering if we're a burden to the world. Wondering if the world would be better off without us. What? Hey, it's time for a new outfit. It's time for a wardrobe change. It's time to get those grave clothes out uh, of, of here because God looks at you and he says, no, that's my son, that's my daughter, fearfully and wonderfully made. You're with me, let's go. So I think it's time for us as a church this Easter week to get rid of some grave clothes and start walking in the way that God intended for us to walk, right? This is Isaiah 61 10 uh, um, Isaiah says that that God has clothed us with the garments of salvation do you know that you ever just had like a day where you, your outfit's just like working you know and you got this like little extra swagger like oh I'm this is I'm, I'm gonna be all right do you know that as Christians we're supposed to feel that way every day clothed us in the garments of salvation, and it says he has wrapped us in the robe of righteousness. Wrapped us in the robe of right. This is why in, in Luke 15, the prodigal son story, when the prodigal son comes walking back to the father, like, I'll take the grave clothes. I'll just be a servant the rest of my life. I know I messed up. What's the first thing the father does? He runs to him, gives him a big hug, and he puts the robe on him. He goes, no, no, get those grave clothes out of here. You're my son, and you're, you're, you're home, and so take this robe. Right, take the ring for the family, ring on your finger to remind yourself who you are. Take the sandals for your feet. I think that Greek word for sandals there is uh, monarchs in in English, I don't know. Ethan, you can fact check me on that later. Jesus wants to clothe us in righteousness, so it's time to get the grave clothes out of here. And so with our, our final few remaining minutes, I just wanna start calling out some grave clothes one at a time. Let's start with shame. This is a story for for all of us, right? We know that we're forgiven, but then we spend the rest of our lives learning how to live as if if that's actually true. And, And let's be real. Oftentimes, it's other people and sometimes either other Christians that are trying to throw those grave clothes back on us. Trying to say, hey, you can't have a future because you have a past. Anyone ever felt that way? Remember Jesus every time he talk to somebody with a past. Type of person who had a lot of junk up here. The religious leaders would be like, not not him, not her, too far gone. Jesus would walk right up to him and go, "Hey, you're with me. Let's go. Come on, Matthew." I know you spent your whole life adding things up here. I know you feel too far gone to to ever be saved. I'll take care of all that. When I show up, something has to break. Let me break all of that stuff off you. You just come with me. This is all throughout Jesus's ministry. So if you ever feel like other Christians are trying to put grave clothes back on you, telling you you can't have a future because you have a past, here's what I wanna remind you of. Here's what I, I wanna tell you. There's this guy named the Apostle Paul, church planner, Kingdom builder extraordinaire, stud. Had a past, like, like a tough past, like persecuted, killed, imprisoned Christians, and then one day God gets a hold of his life, and and he shows up and he's like, "Hey, church, I'm ready to start building the kingdom. Let's get to work." But here's the thing: like, God's very quick to forgive, but other Christians aren't always as quick to forgive, are they? And so like can you imagine Paul's first day at the job? Like hey, let's go build a church. Imagine some of the stares he's getting. Who's this guy? Paul's going to come hang out with us? Hey Paul, you put my you put my brother in prison, bro. Like we're not cool. Like uh, imagine you killed our friend Stephen, Paul? Uh, imagine like the passive aggressive Moments that Paul had where people tried to put grave clothes back on him. Watch what he does. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians 12. He, he, he learned how to flip the script on people. So when they would go, Paul, not you, not you, you're not worthy, he would, just, he, would, he would flip the script and he would use that as an opportunity to make Jesus beautiful. He would go, hey man, I'll boast about my weaknesses. I am the biggest sinner in the room. I am, I am, I have a past. Isn't Jesus beautiful? I have made a lot of mistakes. Isn't God's grace amazing? No, it's actually when I'm weak that I am strong, right? And when we learn how to do this, shame just starts to lose its power in our lives. When other people try to put the grave clothes back on us, we just throw it up to Jesus, use it as an opportunity to make Jesus look beautiful and then just watch as Jesus breaks those grave clothes right off. How about people pleasing? Yeah, we're going for it today. Christians. Our need, our need to, to make everybody happy, felt need to make everybody happy. It's like, it's like we walk around giving everybody on this planet a, an ace of spades that they can play on our life at any point to ruin our day. Like we walk around giving everybody the, the, the opportunity to ruin our day just by criticizing us. Maybe it's just me. I just feel like Jesus paid much too high of a price for us to walk around like that. I just feel like Jesus paid much too high of a price for us to to let criticism slow us down or even ruin our days. I don't know where the notion that following Jesus means make everybody happy came from, but like Jesus upset a lot of people, guys. When Jesus took the form of a man, he had to accept the limitations of being human. And so there were a whole lot of people that Jesus helped and healed. There were also a whole lot of people that he couldn't get to because he was a human. Jesus had so many critics, he ended up on a cross. And so like what I'm not saying is you have permission to be mean or like we love everybody, but also like I feel like these days we spend too much energy trying to keep people that we don't even know happy, that we run out of time to be fully present with the people that we care about the most. I just feel like you need permission today, Christian, to to put that down. Put that, let God break that need off of you. I, I think some of you need to learn to surrender to the beautiful, dangerous word called surrender because I just feel like God's calling some of you to go to a place that, that some people aren't gonna understand. This was Jesus' story. And, and, and as he went, he learned how to go, I'm not gonna let the critics critics get me down because there are a whole lot of people to love and help. And the critics aren't going anywhere. In fact, the more you try to be a part of the solution, the more people will blame you for the problems. It's just, just how it goes. Jesus was able to, to go, no. There are people to help, there are people to love. I know my calling, I know why I'm on this earth, I know who I am, don't put those grave clothes on me, I've got work to do, let's keep moving forward. What about bitterness? Bitterness is one of those things, man, we all carry it, It comes in between us and God. Nothing breaks things faster than forgiveness. When we start forgiving, when we start letting go, Just watch what God will do in your life, man. I think some of us are really, really good at receiving God's forgiveness for us, but we're not as good at passing that forgiveness along to other people. What if you started being generous with your forgiveness this week? And yes, I'm talking about that person that you hope I'm not talking about, right? We all do it, not them. Just watch, I'm I'm, I'm in this for your freedom. Just watch what starts to happen when you start to be generous with the forgiveness that God's given you and you pass it on to them. Watch how things will start to break off in your life. Last but not least, I would say fear. Fear is a real thing. I said this in the last service. Uh, A year ago, I gave the the before sermon or before Easter sermon and, and there were like four people in the room. It was like me and the band hanging out and we were recording uh, three services in one day because the lockdown was about to happen. And it was so weird and it was so new and I didn't know how to process everything that was going on that I went right back to that corner afterwards and I was just like, God, I give up. I don't have my confidence anymore. I don't know how to pastor through a pandemic. I don't know if this is ever coming back. You remember those moments? And I, remember, I remember in this, like, like still small voice in that back corner, where I just felt like Jesus was saying, "Ryan, let the cross be your confidence." Let the cross be your confidence. It was never on you to break things off of people. That's my job. Give me the control back. Let the cross be your confidence this year. Let the cross, Christian, let the cross be the thing that, that's, that's pulling you forward this year. And just watch. Watch as your confidence starts to come back. Just realize that God keeps roving you in righteousness because of the cross and then just watch how your swagger starts to come back and how your calling starts to come back and, and, and how God starts to put people in your life to love and encourage and push forward. This is what happens, church. This is what happens because when we get our eyes up, when we get our eyes on the cross, when we get our eyes on what Jesus did for us, man, things just start to break. So would you guys stand up to your feet with me? I wanna pray and then we're gonna sing this song and we're just gonna believe. We're gonna believe that all across this room things are breaking off, addictions are breaking off, anxiety is breaking off, depression is breaking off and in that place God is restoring dreams, God is restoring hope. God has given you a new future. God is saying, let's go. I don't care about all this. I took care of it on the cross. I took care of it on the cross. you got a new life. You're with me now. So, Father God, all across this room right now, we pray that you would move in and break off anything that's not supposed to be there. Lord, would you break off the shame? Lord, would you break off the anxiety? Lord, would you break off the addiction? Father, we know that when you show up, death has to leave. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would show up because something has to break in Jesus' name.